Hey, you, listening to this podcast right now. Do you ever think, man, there are so many kick-ass market research podcasts. I wish there was some sort of an award for them so I could go and vote for my favorite. Well, you're in luck. The Market Research Podcast Award is back. Vote for your favorite podcast in the insights industry and bestow upon them the title of MR Podcast of the Year. Nominations are now open and you can submit your favorite podcasts at littlebirdmarketing.com slash MR hyphen podcast hyphen award. Submissions close on June 30th, 2021 and are followed by a round of voting. The winner will be announced in October at Greenbook's IIEX North America. And welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. This is Priscilla McKinney. I'm with you as always, but I have a great guest on today, a colleague, but actually a friend of mine. You'll hear that because we're going to try and not laugh too much on this, but uh, conversations go all kinds of directions when David, Paul, and I get on, uh, the, on the phone, on Zoom, in person, whatever it is. David, welcome to Ponderings from the Perch. Priscilla, thank you for having me. I always look forward to uh, to our conversations. And yes, we will try try not to laugh too much and actually get some valuable content out there. <laughs> we do a good job with both of those. But before I do the full introduction, it's kind of becoming a running joke on this show that, you know, who it was that I met in Orlando. And actually, our last meal that we had together was in Orlando. <laughs> That's true. It was. Yep. So this is how you know I really like you. If if I'm willing to meet you in Orlando, then I must be really good friends with you. <laughs> that, that's the friend spot. All right. Good to know. I'm, I'm glad I'm in that category. <laughs> okay. I don't like Orlando. So if I go there for you, then you know you're in like Flynn. So. Fair enough. Yeah. Not awesome. my favorite place either, but no. I'm with you. <laughs> well, for those of you who don't know David Paul, and by the way, I don't know how you don't know David Paul because he's a prolific blogger, a prolific podcaster. He's an amazing storyteller. But for the intro of this particular podcast, I will say he is the founder of Dial Smith. And if you're not familiar with them, they are a technology and consulting company, and they develop products and services for the market research, uh, specifically for audio um, audience engagement. And uh, they work a lot in advertising, really helping to um, really shape and create that uh, fantastic story arc. They work obviously in television and messaging, but it's that strategy, that piece of how do we strategically make these communications and these marketing messages work. So you can learn more about him over on LinkedIn, David Paul, and that's David is spelled the normal way, but Paul is P-A-U-L-L. So I want you to be able to find him there. But I'm going to let him tell you about a new twist to Dial Smith and something they've added on. And then we're going to get into something really interesting for this show. So David, tell everybody what I missed about Dial Smith, because I think I know your company pretty well. But also tell us like what's exciting, what's happening with Lillian Labs. Well, thank you for the incredibly kind introduction, as always. And yes, that second L in my last name is the bane of my existence. <laughs> <laughs> my entire life, either it's spelled with one L or I get called Paul. 
Um, and honestly, any of that works for me. Um, so yeah, Dial Smith is as you described. We make, uh, for those who don't know, we make those perception analyzer dials that you've probably seen on CNN or Fox News during the presidential speeches or debates when they pull a focus group to the side and have them dial test or rate. Uh, the speeches and debates. So we make those dials. They're used for TV pilot testing, litigation research, advertising testing, concept development, product development, you name it. Uh, we've been doing that for a very long time. Um, what's new this year is we launched a qualitative research consultancy called Lillian Labs. And I launched that along with a veteran qualitative researcher, uh, Gina Derrickson, who comes from uh, client side at P&G and J&J &J and Verizon and State Farm. And then she did some time at Ipsos before I somehow convinced her to come work with me. I have absolutely no idea how, <laughs> how I'm quite that fortunate, but I brainwashed her and uh, she went for it. You said she did some time at Ipsos like it was a sentence. <laughs> I, I heard it when it came out and I didn't mean it that way. See, I, I told you, like, <laughs> you never right. know where we're going to go on this. Right. That's she, super she, had a, she had a great experience there. Of course, it's an amazing company. But um, <laughs> so I don't I don't. Yeah, I really don't know how I uh, how I convinced her to come join us. But she's uh, she's awesome. Well, I, I think it's going to be so interesting because you really almost already are doing this kind of stuff on the side. It's like you formalized it, right? Because people have you do these things with uh, with Dial Smith, and then they do need that boutique, uh, you know, qualitative consulting that goes along with yeah. that. They, they need it, right? Yeah, well, a lot of people come to us for dial testing, but then if they haven't done it before, or they don't have an expertise in it, then the question is, well, how do we make the most out of this? And how do we design the study to take most advantage of it? And then after we collect the data, it's like, well, how do we analyze this? What do we do with it? And, you know, we were doing our best, but when it was just Dial Smith without a, a qualified researcher on staff, we were really just giving our anecdotal feedback from having done this for 20 years. So by adding Gina to the mix now, we can add that extra layer of service where even if you work at a research firm or you work in a research department, we're a real specialty niche of a service where we can, we can add on and we can help design studies that benefit from dial testing and really take it end to end from proper design through data collection, add that qualitative element with online focus groups, IDIs, anything like that. We can do online dial testing too with a slider. So, you know, during the last year, that's what's kept us propped up is that, you know, in the past, it's always really been in person and focus groups with handheld dials. And we can also do it online with a slider, which we've done for years, but now we rely on it, of course, 100%. And so mm -hmm. we can go on the road again. Uh, and then the, the final piece, of course, what I think is ultimately most important is then so what? You know, you collect these data and you learn what people think. Well, that's great. And I've delivered to clients what people think for years. What I really am passionate about is figuring out why they think that way and then how you can use that to then accomplish whatever the goal is, buy this product, sign up for this service, donate to this uh, charity or vote for this candidate or, or, or whatever that may be. So it, it lets us close the loop and be more well-rounded and a little more diversified. Well, it also is incredibly smart. And every time you and I end up in a conversation, it gets pretty deep. And I do love that what's driving you is the why. Like, tell me more, tell me more. Mm -hmm. Because people even themselves don't understand their own whys. 
right. <laughs> you know, so it, it takes really going the distance with, with individuals in that type of a setting, even for them to self-realize, you know, what's going on. But mm-hmm. let's, let's talk a little bit about this formation of Lillian Labs, because you and I have known each other for years. We, we share, mm-hmm. you know, podcast uh, hosting um, um, stories, <laughs> some mm-hmm. great, some not so great. We've mm-hmm. also been very generous with our expertise, you to me, me to you. And it's, it's mm-hmm. been so lovely. And this is, this is what I like to do in the industry is just get people who are generous with their time, with their expertise and their talent and, and get us all talking, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I learn so much every time we talk, but I was just floored when you contacted me uh, and uh, let me know that for Lillian Labs, that you used one of our free resources mm-hmm. <laughs> that I give away all the time, but mm-hmm. rarely see people actually use. And that was the persona development. And then you shared your personas with me when you were f- finished. And I, I was floored, David. This was such excellent work. I, I love it. So tell me about the process, you know, about how you guys took this free guide, this free resource that we had, took it in-house and how how you came up with such a great win. Yeah, well, uh, you know, a lot of free resources are worth what you pay for them. And, <laughs> and after you've spent the time consuming them, you really wish you could get that time back. And uh, with you, that's never the case. And uh, that's, that's just the truth. Anyone who knows you knows that everything you put out is quality. And you're, you're super generous with things that you really could charge a lot of money for. And I'm more than happy to take full advantage of that. <laughs> so if you're going to put a free resource out, and we were, you know, building Lillian Labs, um, you know, um, qualitative research consultancy, and our main focus is around Um, product management and product marketing, concept product and message testing geared toward product management, product marketing. So we really needed to figure out with that laser focus, because we're not a big company, we're not an Ipsos, we're a few person company, and that's where we want to stay. So we have to be laser focused about who we go after. And so we took your kind of guideline of how to walk through persona development and between our VP of marketing and myself and our VP of research, Gina, we put ourselves in a virtual room and uh, we kind of went through all of the steps. And I think we probably went through three formal sessions mm-hmm. internally. The first one was just laying the groundwork, kind of brainstorming how we answer the questions that you recommend we answer. And we didn't have good answers at first. So we were just kind of bouncing things around, whiteboarding it. And then our VP of marketing, Amanda, went away and she's kind of tried to make sense of all of that. And then we all came back together again and we did another iteration. She took that away. And then by the third one, everything really started to flesh out. And one of the things that was really nice is that, uh, you know, you encourage giving these people names and giving them faces, um, which, which helps, you know, because then you can start to visualize who it is that you're talking to. And, you know, really interesting questions like, um, you know, what would embarrass this person or, you know, what gets this person out of bed in the morning? It's not just what's important to them or what's going to make them sell more stuff. We're all, you know, it's people selling to people. So it's really getting down to the human level of how do you deliver a win for that person? Not how do you make a product manager happy? 
Mm, I love it. I love it. Again, you're getting to the why, which is why you understood where we were going with this. And mm -hmm. I do have some of those secret sauce questions that I really like. You mentioned a few of them, and I really do like that one. You know, what are they embarrassed to admit, but also what gets them going uh, uh, in the morning, but I also like mm -hmm. what's keeping them up at night. And I mm -hmm. see you, you guys tackled it from all of these different uh, perspectives. And something I would just like to point out that you guys did that I don't have in in my uh, in my uh, in my tool chest here was you also put a, a, a portion of the persona that says explains how they see themselves like how they would describe themselves, how they perceive who they are in the world and in their market and in their profession. And I thought, oh man, David, I'm swapping you. I'm taking that one. <laughs> uh, please. It's the least I can, I can do is, is toss you one. It was so good. It was so good. Okay. So I am going to actually put these out in the show notes. Of course, I'm going to blur out all this quality work that you guys did. I'm not going to give your stuff away because you did this hard work and these are your particular personas you're going mm -hmm. out after. But tell me after you complete this what 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 did your group say like what next like how do you feel like this is really helping you refine the marketing messages for Lillian labs yeah well so what we've what we've now done with them we've done a number of things one of the things we've done with them is we now filter all of our uh, content development through these three personas and we make sure that every piece of content we create as a company and at least most of the content I create personally, I still will create some of my own stuff that, that strays out. But the majority of mine and all of the company's content filters through these personas to make sure that we're speaking to at least one or more of them. Um, and we use everything that we have determined about them to help decide where do they go for their information? What is it they, they want to learn? what keeps them up at night, what tools and tricks could they learn from? And, you know, as any good content marketers do, it's about delivering value. You know, it's, it's all the jabs before you throw that right hook. So we really want to give as much to these personas as we can with the hopes that they will then see us as a trusted resource and want to learn more about mm -hmm. us over time. So mm -hmm. one key area is for content development. And then it's also for, you know, good old outbound marketing, um, outbound sales, outreach, whether we're mining LinkedIn for titles, or we're um, either officially uh, attending events where we can look at the speaker lists or whether we're unofficially just combing the web for events and, and grabbing, you know, the speakers and titles that we see online and figuring out who is it that we want to go after. It's really helped us laser focus and just make sure that we're not spinning our wheels, appealing to those who either we don't want to go after or, or who we don't think would hire us anyway. Mm, I love that. And so, so many people do not understand that with personas, we're not trying to cast a wider net. We're trying to cast a smaller <laughs> net mm -hmm. because we want the most ideal clients for us. And I, I that scares a lot of people, the idea that they're going to begin to exclude people with some of their content. But that is the point. It's very liberating when you quit faffing about and using your internal resources, talking to more people who are not ideal. But, you know, you as the founder, I've got to say, David, this is very unusual 
for the founder to really be able to emotionally embrace that concept mm-hmm. because we're worried a lot of times that, oh, well, if we don't talk with everybody, you know, we're not, you know, it's going to, we're going to lose revenue. But you and I completely live in that side where we know that if we will hone in and just service the clients who we best can serve, mm-hmm. we are going to make more money doing that. And we are going to feel far more fulfilled doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and part of that is because I've been in sales my whole career. I came up in outside sales, literally working a downtown sales territory, going into high-rise buildings, riding the elevator to the top floor, and knocking on doors until security tossed me out. And then a week (laughs) later, I'd go back and I'd pick up where I left off. So I learned early on through very rigorous standardized sales training Um, about focusing on your ideal customer. And again, being a smaller company and wanting to be a smaller company, we don't need a hundred clients. We wouldn't know what to do with a hundred clients. We need a stable of 10, 15, 20 high quality clients that we know we can deliver for. And so for us, a smaller universe is great. Um, because we can be really, we can do really good work for very specific types of organizations and not try to be, you know, one size fits all for everybody. We, we would be, we'd be terrible at Mm. that. And personally, I would be miserable based on the kind of company that, you know, that I want to have. The pandemic has altered so many aspects of the human experience. It has challenged us to think differently about our mental health, about what it means to prioritize our well-being, and to lead a joyful life. I'm so excited to participate with Innovate MR and Quandrum on a panel about how we can activate joy in our daily life for greater purpose and productivity. I'll be joined with Lisa Wilding-Brown, the Chief Research Officer at Innovate MR, Ben Gilgoff, and Katya Cahoon, a psychotherapist with experience in intelligent change. Together, we'll discuss how we can activate joy for a greater purpose and productivity. Be sure to join us on June 3rd at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Joy is a Choice. Register today at bit.ly slash joy is a choice. Well, I want to dive into one of these just real quick, because I want people to really see the beauty of what emerged. Um, There's one of your, uh, one of your personas that came out. She is Naomi, the master communicator. And this one Mm. happened to be a product marketing manager. So I'm not going to give away all of your beautiful, beautiful persona work here, but there was one line in here that I just thought, wow, this explains to me why people should do persona work. Mm -hmm. And there was a characteristic that you guys, Uh, honed in on for this particular ideal client. And that was that she is a competitor expert. And when Mm -hmm. I saw that on the persona sheet, I thought, ding, 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 ding. This is so, so great of an insight to be able to couch now your, uh, you know, your offerings, right? Mm -hmm. Because what's interesting about it is that you all are not competitor experts. So I think a lot of people might leave that off of a persona because they're like, well, what does that have to do with us? We, we don't go out and do, you know, um, you know, competitor analysis and, do, you know, but she does. And that's what's super important because that's how she sees the world. So I could see Lillian Labs taking, you know, your information and saying right at the beginning in a way that totally resonates with her, you know, we know that you're the competitor expert. 
but where we're experts is and blah, blah, blah. And I just thought, oh my gosh, when I saw that line on the persona Mm. development, I thought, see, now that you know that, because you did that in this, this, uh, you know, when you weren't in a sales mode, you did this in a room when you guys were all having a lot of empathy for this, you know, master communicator, what she's trying to achieve. And Mm -hmm. so that idea floated to the surface, but now it's like going to serve as a bridge from her world to your world by acknowledging first something that resonates with her before you even mm-hmm. start talking about Lillian Labs. I seriously, I am shedding <laughs> tears right now. <laughs> no, it's, it's gratifying that, that you notice that and that it means a lot to you. It was a great insight for us um, as well, because it also does serve the sales process. You know, when we're pitching to prospects, if we know that they are uber focused on their competition, then we're going to make sure that we tailor our offering to not only make sure that they get some good competitive intel out of the research, but we're also going to do specific research in advance. We do, you know, we conduct our own, you know, quote unquote research before we do any pitch so that we know who we're talking to and what they care about. And if we can go in and, and either deliver a little bit of an insight about one of the, what one of their competitors might be up to, or ask them some questions about how they position themselves against a particular competitor that shows them we know their market, it just makes us that much more relatable to them. And, you know, they're so appreciative of the preparation and the fact that we come in already knowing about them and caring about them. So that one in particular serves us kind of double duty, both on the front end during sales, and then making sure that when we are reporting results that we're, we're keying on on things that are most important to this person. Mm, I love that because what I'm hearing there, David, is that your company is looking always to stay in alignment with the goals of the client, not necessarily say, okay, now you're in here. Now we're going to do our thing, (laughs) you know, instead it's always that check back, you know, our thing doesn't matter. All that matters is their thing. We're in the business of doing their thing for them. So if they're happy, then we're happy. And if we decide that we don't want to do their thing, then that's just work we don't take, you know, and we can choose to be picky about that. But I think a lot of companies do get swept up in, in this is what we do and this is how we do it. And that is absolutely bass backwards. Like who mm-hmm. cares what you mm-hmm. do and how you do it? All that matters <laughs> is what are the results that this prospect or client needs mm-hmm. and can you deliver those results without your ego mm-hmm. um, and without being wedded to quote how you do it? You know, oh that's, that's not what it's about. And I, yeah. I know I'm preaching to the choir to you. I know, I know exactly why we're friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it's completely true. And I also thought there was, well, let, let me back up before I tell you one other thing I thought was just absolutely brilliant from your work here. But it, I also saw that you kind of broke up a little bit of um, this idea of how you get this person's attention. Like I saw Mm. that in the personas that came out because Mm -hmm. I think we all are very aware that, especially when we're in niche environments like this, which you and I both are, is that there are fewer of those fish out there, right? And that's great. Mm -hmm. We're we're all for it. But we also know it's still a noisy pond, (laughs) right? And so we have to be heard above this noise 
Um, and so I think that you guys had a lot of interesting conversations around, yes, but what is going to interrupt this person's world? What's going to pattern interrupt so that we get a chance to talk with them and show them that we really can meet their needs? So what did mm -hmm. those conversations sound like with you guys in the room? How did that come about? Uh, well, you know, we do look at each persona and we try to figure out where do they get their information? You know, most people don't spend all day on LinkedIn. Most people don't go to every conference. And especially now with online conferences, more often than not, people register and then don't show. Mm -hmm. Or they register and they pop in for a couple of sessions, or they keep it open in a browser all day because so they feel like they're there, but they're really doing other things, right? So we need to figure out uh, pattern interrupt is yeah, that's my one of my favorite phrases too. It's like, how do we stop them in their tracks? and get those first three seconds of their attention in hopes of getting the next one to two minutes mm -hmm. of their attention. And part of that is understanding what are the things that are most critically important to them so that when we can make that stand out, we can get them to say, well, wait a second, this is for me. Mm -hmm. Even if they don't realize they're doing it, we know so much of that reaction is non-conscious and so much of our work is around non-conscious thoughts and behaviors uh, that we're, we're turning that back on ourselves and figuring out how do we stop them in their tracks, whether they realize it or not, and, and capture those first few seconds so we can hopefully get the next few minutes. Mm -hmm. See, this is actually what you and I have in common now that we really get down to brass tacks here, David, is mm -hmm. that we both as founders see that our own company is client number one. Mm-hmm you know, and we, we behave in the ways that we expect other companies to behave. <laughs> yeah. I think that's super different. Okay. I'm going to give you one other big, like a uh, pat on the back. <laughs> here it comes. I'll so take it. <laughs> there was a great aspirational piece here and I had never thought about this, but at the very end of yours, you asked each one of your personas and kind of got, I guess, got in their shoes and like ruminated on it. But what do you want that persona to say about yeah. Lillian Labs? And I just went, whoa, mic drop. This was super great. And I felt like that really pushed your personas more to aspirational. It like made your, you know, your team think, what could we aspire to, you know, to make them, you know, say. So how did you guys come up with that one? That was just genius. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly where we came up um, with the idea to do that. I'm going to give credit to, um, to the marketing team for that one. I'll tell you the value of it is it really is kind of that cherry on top of putting us in their shoes. And there was two parts to the exercise. First, there's the spirit behind what do we want them to say about our findings? But then there's also the vernacular that they would use and the tone. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't mind sharing what these were. We did, we did three personas and for one of them, uh, you know, our answer to what do we want her to say about these findings? The answer we came up with was that's gold. <laughs> um, another one was we would have never thought dot, dot, dot. And another one was, um, I'm thinking that this could be our silver bullet. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out how does this person think and talk and communicate? How casual are they going to be? How formal are they going to be? How playful might they be? But then also at the very end of the day, what's going to make the little hairs on the back of their neck stand up because they know <laughs> that they have absolutely nailed it. Yeah. And then that's our North star. And mm -hmm. how do we work backwards 
from there to make sure we deliver that. Oh, I so loved it. Okay. So just for doing this work, you get, first of all, you get a gold star. Okay. So a plus in my book. Um, but now for coming on the show and, and giving me your time, I want to give you the chance to pitch it, tell people here, it, you know, give us a, a general idea of who is an ideal client. Um, I know that you guys came up with three, but hone in on one for us. And you know my audience. So pick the one that you think is the, you know, on my show the most. You know, I have end client um, uh, insights directors. I have a lot of marketing people <laughs> who, who listen to yeah. this show, you know, but but tell us now where you're centered. Who's ideal for Lillian Lab? Who, who do you serve the very best? Yeah, well, well, I appreciate that. And I, the, the last thing I want to do is take this time to sell. Um, so I, I will say a couple of things. One is that one of the reasons that we honed in on product management and product marketing is because for us, it's kind of the trifecta of where we believe we can add value, which is around research of concepts, products, and messaging, right? So the product kind of development management team is always going to be looking for innovation, and they're going to want to test their concepts before they invest. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the existing product that's in the market. And how do you make sure that that's staying at the top of its game and it's staying competitive? So that's product research. And then the product marketing side wants to talk about messaging and storytelling, and how do we communicate it? in a compelling way. So we take kind of our three areas of expertise and we figure out, you know, where can we deliver the most bang for the buck? And then something really brilliant that our VP of marketing did, 100% of credit to her, is for those in the product marketing world, they'll know the concept pragmatic marketing. Um, and I didn't really know it terribly well, but apparently it's an industry standard in the product marketing world. And it's this... Um, it's kind of this table that was put together of all of the different phases of product marketing, and it's called the Pragmatic Marketing Framework. If you Google it, there's a standard out there. And what she did on our team is she took the Pragmatic Marketing Framework and then picked out all of the elements of it where there is a research opportunity and there would be value for research, and then kind of mapped what type of research would benefit each of those. So we've now come up with our own version of the pragmatic marketing framework for research, where we can talk about how can we add value and where can we be helpful if you're a company that follows pragmatic, pragmatic marketing framework, where are areas that research can be plugged in. Whether you use us or not, we have created this um, this free resource. And I'm, I'm happy to give you the link if you want to drop it in the notes. That's my freebie for whoever wants it. Um, so the, it. you know, so those are some of the ways that we've, uh, that we've tried to get really narrow about, about where we can uh, help and deliver the most value. Right. Okay. I love that. Yes. I'm all about freebies for my listeners. So I will put it in the show notes, but um, so what's next for Lillian Lab? Let, let's hear like what, what's something that's really exciting you. Obviously you guys made the shift mm -hmm. during COVID and you were so much in person, but you had always been able to do all of this online. Now you're doing so mm -hmm. much of it online, but what, you know, what's really getting you up in the morning? What's exciting you about Lillian Labs? Yeah, well, on the Dial Smith side of the business, we actually started offering online focus groups to clients because they needed it. And we take a security first approach. So while others were getting Zoom bombed and having all these problems, we went and invested in a government uh, level security 
grade online platform for online focus groups. So we don't have those issues and we conduct ridiculously rigorous tech checks that cost us a lot of money and take a lot of time. But we also have people show up to online focus groups. They look good, they sound good, they don't have problems. Um, so in addition to online dial testing and all those other services, we've been offering these really bulletproof online focus groups that at least during COVID has been really helpful. On the Lillian Lab side, in addition to building out this business, one of my greatest passions is being able to do self-funded research that can be helpful. It's the, it's jumping onto your hashtag always be helping bandwagon, which I'm always more than happy to do. So last year, we did a study around um, mask messaging, trying to figure out how do we get those who are resistant to wearing masks to slow the spread of COVID, how do we get them more willing to wear a mask? And we did a messaging study around what kind of messaging would be most effective to, to change those minds. And so the next phase of that that we just finished is a vaccine messaging study where we're trying to figure out what messaging and stories and narratives can be used to take that uh, portion of the population that's resistant to the COVID vaccine and increasing the likelihood that more people will be willing to take it. So we've really made a commitment as a company that ideally every quarter, I hope I can stick to it minimum couple times a year, we wanna do a study on our own for the public good where we know that we can take what we do best put it out there to be helpful. And then of course the byproduct is we get to show off our work. I'm not going to make any, you know, bones about that. Um, but you know, we can really give it away and be helpful. So we did this vaccine study with an organization called boost Oregon, which is a vaccine, uh, not, not vaccine based nonprofit in Oregon. Um, and then they're going to help us kind of spread the word nationally. So what helps me get out of bed in the morning is knowing that in addition to our for-profit work and doing what needs to be done, we can also really look for those opportunities to just help out. Oh, I love it. Yes. Thank you. Jump on the always be helping bandwagon. We will always take more people. And, yeah. you know, the, it's so interesting because a lot of people do come on here and talk about it. But honestly, the reason why, you know, I was able to create that hashtag and get people following that on LinkedIn is because there are so many generous people in our industry and they they were just like, oh, that's lovely. Let's do it. Right. <laughs> um, I do want to say one interesting thing about the vaccine and the um, and the mask messaging that you were working on. I do find it interesting and it did not surprise me when you started coming out with it because you have so much experience in political testing. Um, right. So much of your background is, is there, obviously mm -hmm. you have other expertise, but strangely this whole, you know, anti-mask or anti-vaccine movement did have a lot of interesting political, um, you know, divides. And I'm just kind mm -hmm. of curious personally, is that why you guys kind of stepped into it? You saw that you had a lot of experience and, and, and that you knew kind of where the origin of this, of this issue was? That was certainly part of it. Yeah. I mean, we do a lot of um, political and public policy messaging and you will definitely see a divide along political ideologies with the general populations of those who are resistant to wearing masks and those who are resistant to taking vaccines. Of course, not 100%. Um, and I'm not even saying that all of the, their counter arguments are wrong. I mean, there are some perfectly valid points on both sides. It then just comes down to math, right? It just comes down to what are the odds 
that you're going to have this problem if you do it this way versus that problem if you do it that way. And maybe it's just because I'm in research and, and I look at numbers and data and stats all day. But, I, you know, I'm a science guy and I'm happy to <laughs> I'm happy to follow the data, follow the science. If there's a greater likelihood that I'm going to be OK one way than the other way. I'm going to follow the likelihood because the math is probably more accurate than my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. So being able to shape public opinion and public, really, it's not, it's not so much policy in this case, it's really shaping public opinion around these, you know, these very important topics that are going to have ramifications for, mm -hmm. you know, for years and years to come. Right. Well, so that I'd say, David Paul, thank you for being an excellent human being. <laughs> and obviously well, your team likes you. doing that kind of work. That's very, very helpful. So the, okay. the team is very, very generous. I, I couldn't force them to do it. Uh, and they all just raise their hand and volunteer and, and put in the extra time to do it. Um, I'm incredibly fortunate. Yeah, to work with well, the people I work with. You do have a great team, but I do think for those of you who have not connected with David, you need to connect with him on LinkedIn. He sends a lot of great posts, a lot of great information. It is always helpful in my personal opinion. So well, make sure you. you follow him there. But David and Paul with a P-A-U-L-L. -L. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you can find him online. David, it's always a pleasure talking with you. And I know I'll talk with you soon, but this was nice for other people to get a little vignette and get to listen to the two of us talk shop. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm glad that we could focus on, you know, something specific that's also helpful to your listeners and your customers and, and really um, does justice to an incredible resource and generous resource that you put out. So my pitch for Priscilla will be if you have not checked out her very generous free resources, go check those out. And then when they do you a tremendous amount of good, maybe think about hiring her to actually help you take it to the next step because <laughs> um, Priscilla and her team and her company are awesome. Oh, thank you so much, David. And from all of this team over here, all of the peeps at Little Bird Marketing, we want you to have a great day. Get all these great freebies, some from me, some from David, and have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>